Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. We're going to finish up Philadelphia today. Philadelphia, are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the rapture? Revelation 3, 9 through 13. Going to finish it up. Last time we finished up the first part of Philadelphia with a story about the first marathon ever run. I know many of you feel like you are in a marathon right now. Most of us can't wait for this uh, year to get over with. That we are, And a lot of you are probably feel like you're hitting Heartbreak Hill, Boston Marathon, 21 mile mark. You feel like you're hitting the Heartbreak Hill. These are crazy, crazy times. And now they're telling us we can't get together for Thanksgiving. Although they are. Uh, they, what they, don't listen to what they say. <laughs> I'm not saying we should be careful, but I'm just saying they say one thing and they do another thing. So it's hard to really figure this whole thing out. Anywho, uh, I digress. Crazy times, but today, in these crazy times, Jesus Christ gives us encouragement. Encouragement in our marathon of life that we are in. And, and encouragement to finish our race that we're in. Review real quick, Philly. We're, look, we're in Philadelphia. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven actual churches. He gave the good, the bad, the warning, and the encouragement. We saw the good last time with Philadelphia, but there was no bad and there's no warning. He goes right from the good to the encouragement. The only church of the seven that had no bad or warning, one or something negative to say, he goes right to the encouragement. And Jesus gives five promises meant to encourage the church in Philadelphia and and the end times church and us as the end uh, believing we're in the end times also the church but also each of us daily no matter what fa- stage of life whatever phase of history we're in these five promises will encourage us no matter what you're going through today I think you're going to get great encouragement okay let's pray Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that Jesus gives us today in Revelation chapter 3. I pray that we would be encouraged to keep on going and keep on moving forward in our faith. Lord, and I pray that if anybody has never put their faith in you today, they would take that step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's read the verses. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, allergies, allergies. Uh, verse 9. Oh, here we go. I will make those who are of, uh, make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can, so that no one will take your crown. Him who has, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so first of all, verse 9 is promise number 1. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So the very first promise is what I call vindication. 
vindication. Now, this is not anti-Semitism. Some twist that to say that it can't be. Jesus was Jewish. And he's writing to John, who was a Jew. All right? They're both Jews. So, they can't be anti-Semitic. Uh, he's making a point, though. He's not saying that all Jews who reject Jesus as the Messiah are satanic. He's not saying that. That's, that's not what he's saying. But there was a radical, militant group of Jews and Pharisees who actively per persecuted. They pursued and persecuted Christians all over the Roman Empire. And, and they fought against the gospel. And this militant group was doing the devil's work. Just like we've seen in history. This, whatever militant group that's fighting the gospel, even religious groups, even so-called Christian groups we've seen fighting the gospel. It doesn't matter if it's the Romans and the Roman Empire. It doesn't matter if it's the communists fighting the gospel, the Muslims today battling, trying to wipe out Christians in so many parts of the world. Not all. A lot of moderate uh, you know, Muslims, but about 20%, you know, militant, want to wipe out Christians, uh, and that's a lot of people. Um, uh, the tolerance police in the USA today, the tolerance police trying to, you know, the ACLU and the tolerance police trying to keep the gospel from being heard by anybody, trying to, to push Christians underground and, and indoors and keep the gospel from going out, they're being used by Satan. That's right. ACLU, tolerance police, Satan, used by Satan. But God will justify. God will justify. They will all be forced, all throughout history and up till today, <clears throat> they're going to be forced to acknowledge Jesus Christ someday. They're going to be forced to acknowledge our righteousness in Jesus Christ someday. In fact, in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what's going to happen someday. It's going to happen. They should do it now because Revelation says they will do this. They will be on their knees. And the promise is for us too. This promise of vindication is for us too. We will be vindicated. We are facing increasing pressure here as Christians in the USA today and facing persecution, the, the birth pains of persecution, which most of the Christians around the world are already in full-blown persecution. They, we, we, they will be vindicated and we will be vindicated. We will be vindicated. We will. That will happen someday when Jesus comes again. The second promise is in verse 10. The second promise is in verse 10 where it says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Live on the earth. Promise number two is protection. Protection, keeping us from the hour of trial. What is he talking about here in Revelation? Very likely the tribulation. The tribulation, the seven years tribulation. Very, very likely that, that, that he, very, very likely that's what he's talking about. But there's three views on how God, how Jesus will keep us from this hour of trial. And it depends on when the rapture happens. The rapture. Three views on the rapture, okay? The first view is what I'm going to give all three. The first is, and I'm, these are all premillennial. You already, we already talked about premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. Uh, this, these are the premillennial uh, rapture. 
And the first idea is that it would be pre-tribulation, that before the tribulation, the seven years starts, that Jesus will rapture his church, take us up again before the start of those seven years. doesn't mean that we won't go through persecution or lots of pressure, but, but before the real persecution hits, before the, God's wrath really gets going, before the, all the judgments we see in Revelation, before the Antichrist really gets his stranglehold, that the church will be taken up at the start of the seven years of tribulation. And this has become more popular. It's really popular in the USA today. Um, not so much around the rest of the world. And it's really a newer view. I grew up with it. I know it very well. Our church totally believed that. And, and I hope for this. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, this I'll just give you one verse to kind of give you a picture of where this is coming from. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And the idea is that we will be taken up. Now, the question is, when is that last trumpet, and, and, and when will this change happen? And those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture believe that's going to happen just at the start of the tribulation. We're going to be changed and, and, and beamed up. Beam me up, God. Uh, beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up, God. Going to be beamed up, okay? So that's, that's one view. Another view is a mid-tribulation rapture. In the middle of the tribulation, the tribulation starts out a lot of man's wrath, but in the middle, God's wrath begins. And so this is actually called a pre-wrath tribulation. We will face lots of persecution, first three and a half years, but before God, wham, sends all of his judgments, the most severe judgments, we will be taken up at that time. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 is a verse that lends itself to this view. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea is we would be taken up in the middle of the tribulation. The third view is called post-tribulation. That is, at the end of the tribulation. We're going to go through the tribulation, but somehow God is going to, like like in the book of Exodus with the ten plagues, it didn't touch the Israelites. The ten plagues didn't touch them. They were persecuted by the Egyptians, but God's plagues did not touch the Israelites. You can read that story in Exodus. Uh, just like that, God will keep his people in the midst of the tribulation. He will carry us through it. Yeah, we're going to be persecuted and uh, martyred and lots of uh, kill, a lot of us killed because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But God's wrath won't touch us. And the verse, a verse that's commonly used to support this position, is Revelation nine, Revelation nine verses three and four, where it says, "And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth." They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So we see the judgment coming on those who didn't have the seal of God on their foreheads. So it's very possible we could be in the midst of this and, and uh, protected in the midst of this. Which is the right position? <clears throat> Nobody knows. If anybody tells you they know... Yeah, they make me nervous, all right? Uh, it, it, it's really not clear, and I think God has that for a reason. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready anytime 
for anything. He just wants us to be focused on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if we are raptured before that event, great. Or if it happens right as he's coming, great. Uh, but, but I tell everybody, pray for pre-tribulation rapture. I hope that's true. I hope we're going to get out of the tribulation. Of course, I vote for that. Uh, I tell everybody, pray for that. And, 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 you know, hope for that. But prepare for mid or post tribulation. Prepare because we don't know when it's going to be. And let's just say it's not pre-trib and, and we're not taken up and we get we see the world getting hammered. What's going to happen to people's faith? They're going to lose it. They're going to lose their faith. They're going to say, it wasn't true. It is true. It's not a given that we're going to be taken up before the tribulation. We hope for it. We pray for it. I vote for that, God. But but it's isn't wisdom, biblical wisdom, to say prepare Pray for one, but prepare for any of them. Be ready for any of those different... We should be ready anytime. The rapture could come. Uh, Jesus could take us up. But be ready to have to go through a lot of persecution or be ready to go through all that's going to hit this earth. God will protect us. Pray for one. Prepare for post. But no matter what God does, He will fulfill His promises through His miraculous power. Nothing can touch us. Nothing can happen to us unless it is in God's purpose. Yes, there will be persecution, martyrdom, but not God's wrath. We know we aren't going to be hit by God's wrath. We are protected from God's wrath because we're his children. However, he protects us. And, and that goes for what's going on in the world today with the coronavirus and it's rearing its ugly head and people are panicked again. And, and, and I don't forget, I preached on this many months ago now, but I have it sticking right here on my desk. Remember during the coronavirus, a couple of re- remembering how we are in protection. Number one, we are all in God's hands. We are all in God's hands. Psalm 91, memorize it. Nothing can touch us without God's permission. Job 1, 9 and 10. Each day we must choose to live by faith or fear. Each day we have to make that decision. Going to live by faith or fear. Mark 5, 36. And finally, this is a tremendous opportunity to share our faith in Jesus Christ. To show our faith and share and live it out. The, our faith in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 and if that was if you need to rewind this tape and listen to that about 18 times and write it all down take notes and look it up and do it because we are under God's protection under his protection the third promise the third promise is in verse 11 Revelation 3 verse 11 where he says I am coming soon hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown promise number three is encouragement encouragement. We saw vindication. We saw protection. Now we see encouragement. The encouragement is the second coming. Hang on. I'm coming soon. Don't lose your your crown. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the reward that we're going to get. As Christians, we we're, we're saved, but we but we can lose our rewards if, if we aren't don't hang on here. Don't lose your crown. Hang on. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And we see so many people today losing their rewards. Losing the awards. I think of the Olympics, and, 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 and I like to watch the Olympics. And you see athletes lose their medals all the time in the Olympics. There are as many Olympic references in the Bible. Paul was an Olympic fanatic, a sports fanatic. But, but you see people losing their, their rewards because for a, a couple of different reasons. And they got to hang on to this encouragement. One is they get tired. We just get tired spiritually. We get worn out. And we think we can retire instead of retread. We think we can retire. And we just get tired. I know in college I swam something called the 1650. 
hated it. My coach made me swim at 66 lengths of the pool. I should have been faster at sprinting. I could have got out of this. But, but 66 lengths of the pool. And oh man, it was so tempting to just go into cruise control and not to give it my all every stroke, every lap of that 66 lengths. But oh no, I knew the coach was waiting at the end of that race. And, and, and 2 Timothy 4, in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says this. He, Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says, oh, here we go, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul using Olympic imagery here, but the idea is we got to finish that race. So many go into cruise control. So many get weary. No, no. We got to finish our race. We got to finish the fight. All right. Uh, others I see stumble and fall. Sometimes you watch, uh, when I watch Olympics, I watch the women's gymnastics and they're doing amazing, but right at the end of the routine, they stumble or they, right at the end of swinging around on the bars, they, they fall and, and, and they, and they get, they lose that medal. They, they stumble and fall. Hebrews 12, 1 to 4 talks about not letting anything cause us to stumble or fall. In Hebrews 12, 1, and Paul is using imagery of, once again, the Olympics here. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So he talks about throwing off everything that causes us to stumble. What is tripping you up? What is tripping us up spiritually? keeping us from reaching the goal that God has set for us in Jesus Christ. Others I see in the Olympics are disqualified. They're disqualified. They, they fail a drug test or they do something illegal. It's usually drugs. A lot of them are cheating. They only kept the, catch a couple. But they fail the drug test. And, and the same thing can happen to us. We can be disqualified. In fact, Colossians 2.18 says this. In Colossians 2.18, it says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. It says if you get off track on false teaching or away from God's word into something else, you can be disqualified for the prize. Don't let anyone disqualify you for the prize in any way. So many Christians disqualified pastors, I see them falling morally and being disqualified for the prize, the ministry that they've been given by Jesus Christ. And, and one last thing that I see keeps people from reaching that goal is they get mad. I was watching uh, one time a, a, a wrestler during the Olympics. He got mad and he stomped out. Got mad. He didn't like what, what the ruling was and he stomped out. He didn't like the outcome. <clears throat> And a lot of times that happens with us. God has put us in a difficult situation, maybe even a setback. And instead of looking for what God is trying to do in our life or through our life, we get mad at God. And we say, I'm not doing this. Anymore. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm not going to follow God anymore. And see Christians all the time getting mad and, and stomping out and losing their reward. Are we finishing well? Are we finishing well? What is tripping us up? Maybe we're in danger of being disqualified, of losing our ministry or losing our marriage or losing our family or losing our job. Maybe we're just exhausted by life 
exhausted by temptations, by trials. Maybe we're just exhausted. We need to hang on. Jesus says, hang on. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And we're going to get our gold medal. We're going to get our crown, our reward at that time. Let us not grow weary and lose heart. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest that we do not give up. If we do not give up, Galatians. Uh, so, number four, the fourth promise is in verse 12 of Revelation 3. Verse 12 is a fourth promise. And in this one, he says, oh, there we go. Verse 12, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will I leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will write, I will also write on him my new name. My new name. So, uh, oh, I'm just gonna start with, I'm just gonna start with the beginning part. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. Never again will he leave it. I'm just gonna start with the first part of that one. And the, this one I would call the promise of security. Security. They lived in in Philadelphia, they lived in an earthquake zone. In fact, the city was totally destroyed by an earthquake in 17 AD. Completely destroyed. Life was never the same again for that generation or anybody who lived in Philadelphia. They all, they, as time went on, it wasn't as bad, but they always lived on the edge of panic. Every time there was tremors, many tremors, even today, many tremors, everybody would rush after this, everybody would rush out of the city. As soon as the tremors hit, everybody would go running out because they remembered what happened, how many people were killed. It was horrible. Think of 9-11. 9-11 after 9-11, after all that horrible stuff happened. Think of what happened every time a, there was a jet going over New York City with a sonic boom or something. Everybody, everybody freaked out. That is a picture of what it was like living in Philadelphia. And after this earthquake... Mo the city was completely destroyed. Not much was left standing. One of the few things left standing was <coughs> was these huge temple pillars. You can see the picture here. Huge temple pillars was one of the few things left standing. And they're still standing today. That was a picture I showed earlier of Philadelphia. Still standing today. Amazing pillars. Amazing um, uh, of security there. Jesus says, I will make you a pillar. He's writing, these pillars are still visible now, but they were visible then. He was, they knew what he was talking about. I will make you a pillar in my temple of my God. I will make you a pillar like that. And, and, it is, and it, you're, the, at that time, a, a priest or a public servant would, would, was specially honored, would get their own pillars in Philadelphia. And they would get their own pillars and they would have their name written on that pillar. And pillar, and that is what Jesus, they could relate to what he's talking about there. They understood what he's saying. You're going to, you're going to be, I'm going to make you like that pillar that did not fall down. You're going to have your own name. You're going to be remembered. You're going to, you're going to, you're, and you will, he says you will go out no more. They, you don't have to fear the earthquakes anymore. You're going to be, you're not going to have to fear the earthquakes of life anymore. The tremors of life. You will be safe with me. You will be like a pillar. In my temple, he's saying, you're going to be a, a pillar that I'm going to protect. That's what he's stressing here in verse 12. The promises of security. The, we, that same promise is for today. No matter what happens in life, no matter what earthquakes hit, no matter what tremors hit, we have a secure foundation in Jesus Christ. Are we a pillar? Are we standing firm 
in Jesus Christ in our faith, or are we a caterpillar crawling along in our faith? I heard that promise keepers years ago. It was great. Uh, but are, are we a caterpillar crawling, or are we a pillar standing firm in the truth and in our faith? Are we standing firm? The last promise, verse 12, the second part, I already kind of gave it away. It says here, I will write on him the name of my God, verse 12, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven and from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. The promise number five is identification. Identification. God's name. Jesus' new name. We're not sure what that is, but the pagans often put their God's name on their forehead. They would write the name or even tattoo it on their forehead. And that was the idea that they were owned by that God. And we, we are, have that same picture here. And it's true. Remember what I read earlier about, about the, the, putting the seal of God on our forehead. The Antichrist someday is going to have 666. He's going to want everybody to put it on their forehead uh, as, as a sign of ownership by the Antichrist. Don't take the mark. If you take it, you are done. If you take it, you're guaranteed hell for eternity. There is no turning back. On the forehead or on the hand, do never take the mark of the beast. Whatever it is, I wouldn't take any kind of mark that the government wants to put on uh, on either one or a chip or anything. I wouldn't take it because we're not sure what that mark is. I would not take it. But but that someday the Antichrist is going to identify his followers with the 666 on the forehead. But Jesus is saying that we are going to have his mark on us. His mark. In 17 AD... He's going to give us a new name. I'm sorry. He talks about this new name. In 17 AD, Tiberius rebuilt the city. It was wiped out by the earthquake, but it was, but it was rebuilt by Tiberius. And they thanked him by na- renaming the city Neo Caesar. I'm sorry. Neo Caesarea. Neo Caesarea, they named it. The, the new city of Caesar. They, they still kept Philadelphia, but, uh, but it was Neo Caesarea. Philadelphia, uh, both on all the signs. And so they could relate to receiving a new name. When they're reading this letter from Jesus in Philadelphia, they, they could relate. They knew what he was talking about. Rele- receiving a new name, receiving a new identity. And that is a picture of each of us. We, before we are Christians, our life has been destroyed by the earthquake. Our life is a mess, destroyed by sin, destroyed by strongholds. But when... <coughs> When we put our faith in Jesus, He saves us. He forgives our sin. He rebuilds our life. He puts our life back together again. He gives us a new identity. And that is the picture of what He's saying here with this new identification. And that's what happens with us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you received your new name? Have you received a new life from Jesus Christ through putting your faith in Him and your trust in Him? Or are you still living in in the rubble of an earthquake? Is your life still a mess? Are you still scarred and scared? Do you want to be able to claim these five promises? You can claim them right now, but the first step, the first step is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The only way you're going to be able to reclaim those be able to claim those promises. The only way you're going to be ready for the rapture, the return of Jesus Christ, is you must put your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
If you will put your faith in Jesus, and you may be doing it right now, you have received life now and forever. A real life now and forever. The promise is now and forever. As a, Maybe you're already a Christian. How is God speaking to you? <clears throat> maybe there's a promise here that you aren't claiming. You're not realizing your full potential, your full purpose in Jesus Christ. What promise do you need to focus on today? Do you need to claim today out of God's Word, out of these five promises? Maybe it's vindication. Maybe it's protection. Maybe it's encouragement. Maybe it's security. Maybe it's identity. Which of these do you need to, 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 to claim? Do, you, do we realize what we have in Jesus Christ? <laughs> do you realize it? Imagine watching the news today without faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine following what's going on in our country or in our world or what's going on in your own life? Can you imagine watching this with the, the, the wars and, and the terrorism and the, the global warming and the coronavirus that you're watching all this can you imagine watching this imagine facing life's crises marriage or kids or job or sickness or death which we're going to all face these crises can you imagine facing these without jesus christ without these five promises of vindication protection encouragement security and identity can you imagine and and what we we as christians shouldn't be panicked like the world we shouldn't be panicked what Panic sense should not flip us out. Stress, yeah, we have stress, plenty, but it should drive us to our knees where we find peace. We find peace. The world is falling to pieces. We should be finding peace. Everyone is freaking out. Fear dominates most of the world today, but are they able to see our faith, our peace, our purpose, Jesus Christ in us? Can they see that? I I love history. I'm going to end with this story. I love history. And I remember reading the book about the, the Lancastria. The Lancastria was, was, was sunk during World War II. Uh, the Germans sank it. It was the worst maritime disaster in modern day history. Modern day. More died on this sinking of the Lancastria than the Titanic and the Lusitania combined. 4,000 men, women, and children were killed. Many soldiers, but lots of women and children on the boat too. Only 2,500 survived. It was a horrible and and the worst part was as as it was sinking and people were in the water many lost hope they just saw, saw no chance of being rescued and, and it took a long time to get rescued and many just let go they just let go they just sunk under the water some shot themselves they were they knew what was going to happen they shot themselves or their families they shot their families so they wouldn't have to suffer going through the drowning that was going to happen the suffering others held on to boards or to the sides of boats there were some lifeboats they held on to the sides of the boat they held on and many were saved just as they were going under so many there are stories of people just ready to go under a little lifeboat comes along and grabs them or, or the, the rescue ship came and, and saved them just as they were going on under. And those that kept hope, later on they talked about it this, in this book, those who kept hope, who held on, held, kept their hope and held on, they were the ones who were saved. Just like us. We're called to hold on, to hang on to our faith, in Jesus Christ, because he's coming again. Whether we meet him here, there, or in the air, we're, you know, whether it's we, he comes while we're still on this earth, whether it's in the air with the rapture, whether we're, we die and go to heaven and we find our life, new life there, whether here, there, in the air, are we holding on to our faith in Jesus Christ, looking forward to his second coming? Let's pray. Are you living by this hope? As we go to this time of prayer, which promise 
as a Christian, do you need to hang on to? Which of these promises do you need to cling to? Are we? Are you? Are you saying, God, Jesus, I'm going to refocus. I'm going to look for your coming again. I'm going to focus on this, your coming again, and that our ultimate hope. That has to be our focus, not what's going on in the world, not what's going on in my life, but Jesus. My faith in Jesus. Looking for Him to come again, or to take me to Him again. And maybe you're, as we're praying about that, maybe you are in this time of prayer, but you realize you don't have that hope. You don't know what's going to happen in this world, in your life, or in death. Maybe you feel like you're ready to go under. You're ready to let go. Maybe you have gone under. You've turned to all kinds of garbage to try to, to, to take the pain or the fear away. You have no hope. But you are being offered a life preserver, a life boat, a ship to pick you up. We have all been offered that hope. You can have that life, that new life. You can get out of the water, get out of the drowning, get out of that, out of the garbage right now and get on the ship called Jesus Christ if you will just reach out and take hold of his life preserver. Let him pull you into that boat by putting your faith in Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Him. You can take hold of that life preserver right now. A prayer of faith, a simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I don't want to be in sin anymore. I don't want to be drowning anymore. I don't want to live in pain and shame anymore. Get me out of this. I repent. I turn away from it. Take me out of this mess. I take hold of the life preserver, Jesus. Your death on the cross for me. Your resurrection from the dead for me. I take hold of your death and resurrection. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. I want the life you want to give to me, the life that starts this second and goes on through all eternity. I put my faith in you. I, I ask you to give me my new life in Jesus. Father, I pray that everyone who hears this would know for sure they put their faith in Jesus. I pray that every Christian would hang on, we would be hanging on to your promises, the most important be one, looking for Jesus to come again. I pray that would be a reality in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this changes your life. Refocus. Focusing on Jesus Christ. Not what I'm saying, but what God's Word says. I hope this will completely change your life, whether it's salvation or whether it's sanctification. Changing your life. Living for Jesus Christ. I hope that His promises will change your life. See you next time. We have one more church to go here. Enjoy this one because the next one's not so pretty. <laughs> Laodicea. So let's just enjoy Philadelphia today. Hope you have a great day.